Now the ball is in the Burnley half. There's a goal, Mouse Campbell for the ball. Duffy gets to it and slams it into the goal. Hello and welcome back to the Goldmouth Scramble podcast. We are coming back to a bit of normality as the Premier League is about to resume. I've certainly missed football, undoubtedly so. I'm I'm a bona fide football addict and uh, you know, I have been training for this uh, massive schedule ahead. I'm match fit as well because my goodness, it is packed over the next few weeks and I think a lot of families are going to be losing members to the TV as they kind of get stuck to this mammoth schedule ahead. However, we go into game week 30 plus, which actually sounds like a category in the X Factor, but uh, a person who definitely has the X Factor always is Seb. Welcome back to a bit of normal FPL. We've had fun with our little discussions, but it's nice to have the league back, isn't it, Seb? Yeah, thanks, Jason. Good to be back. It uh, feels weird, though. This feels like start of a new season. Um, I guess it, we kind of should think of it as a as a mini season. Um, but yeah, I've just been trying to get up to speed with uh, what actually happened uh, all those all those moons ago, uh, back when FPL was was on. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's get straight to it. <laughs> yeah, it does feel many moons ago as well. And no, I definitely agree. It does feel like a new season. I was expecting to see Timo Werner in the Chelsea lineup when I was looking at the players. But FBL is back and I have to now end my brief love affair with Bundesliga FPL. Now my Google suggested searches will hopefully come up with Fantasy Premier League rather than Fantasy Bundesliga when I type F into the search bar. I suppose it's press F to pay respects to Bundesliga for filling the footballing needs. However, there is a lot to discuss, isn't there, Seb? Going into this first game week, there's a double game week. So how are you going to be approaching this? Oh, so, yes, double game week straight off the bat. Um, And we've got to, uh, of course, talk about the unlimited transfers uh, that have been given to us by FPL. Now, I I was not a big fan of that when I heard it because... No, no, no. (laughs) If it feel, I know it feels like an extra wild card for someone um, who may not have been uh, well prepared as we were. Um, but hey, at least now um, those with zero wild cards will only get one, whereas uh, those who have kept their wild cards, uh, like I did, um, at least now I'm gonna have two. <laughs> so it, 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 I am still, a, I still have an advantage there. Um, but uh, but yeah, not a great fan of that. But um, so I mean, my general strategy for the uh, for the resumption is that I am going to um, basically max out my players um, for the the double game week and play my bench boost straight away for the double game week, um, and then I think I will wildcard next week. So I'm kind of dead ending my team in some respects, but I am actually keeping some of my uh, well invested assets for the long haul as well. Yeah, it, and we're going to go through, obviously, the teams, the players kind of coming in to our sides. But with this specific double game week in mind, a lot of people are talking about free hits, the kind of doubling or tripling up on a few teams as well, which we'll get into. But what is your feeling on the free hit for game week 30 plus? Do you think it's wise to play that card then when... As you said there, you've got unlimited transfers. For me, it just doesn't make sense, even if your team is pretty fantastic. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really make much sense to me, to be honest, because if you've got unlimited transfers, then you may as well play it and get your free hit anyway for free (laughs) uh, and keep it for later. Um, So, I mean, I I, I don't think that's a a massive 
a massively controversial decision in, in my mind. Is there something I'm missing? Well, this is something that I've asked myself as well. We have the community questions a little bit later, and some of them have revolved around free hitting game week 30, 31. But I don't think we're missing out too much by not free hitting then. Uh, like I said, for me, you've got the unlimited transfers. Use it as your wild card in that week. Free hit a little bit later in the season because obviously the quarterfinals are factored into um, the game weeks now, the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. But we don't know what's going to happen with the semi-finals. I think obviously the Champions League is going to resume after the league is over. But we just don't know a lot of things that are going to happen. I think there's going to be a lot of variables. We're going to see how teams are playing. And I think holding on to your chips for a little while longer um, will be probably the right decision to do. Apart from maybe bench boost because it's obviously a double game week this week. And we don't know when a next double game week is coming. But also, treble captain wouldn't be too bad on somebody like Kevin De Bruyne with two very tasty fixtures. But for wild carding, free hitting, I just think there's a little bit more time to see how the, the squads are going to do. But in terms of squads, there's teams with really good runs. So are there any ones that you've really got uh, that have caught your attention said maybe that the Wolves Man City or any other teams that are looking re- really good with a fine run into the end of the season uh, yeah so teams with good run-ins um, actually I think Man City have a really nice run-in um, although I think we've also got to address uh, the effect of teams with something to play for which uh, I think Man City do not um, but anyway that's for a later discussion. Um, Arsenal have actually quite a nice run of fixtures after the Man City uh, for a few games. Um, I mean, Wolves as well have a lot of green in there. Um, and as well, Man United have quite a nice run in as well. I mean, those are some of the teams that I have uh, that I, I have looked at. Uh, I also throw in Spurs in there as well, actually. They've got some, some nice fixtures. Um, but... I'm not, I'm not sure if fixtures is 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 the key thing we should be looking at here, uh, because it's the end of the season. Um, how much of a factor should we play, uh, or should we um, should we assign value to rather of um, of those teams that are going to be competing for something uh, next season, like a promotion or uh, avoiding relegation? Yeah, this is a really good question, and I think uh, something that you said there, the nothing to play for versus the teams that do have something to play for, there's a lot of statistics, a lot of analysis kind of gone into these games where one team has nothing to play for, one team does have a lot to play for, maybe relegation or Champions League, some European qualification, and the team that has nothing to play for tends to do a lot worse than they normally would do so. Uh, it's interesting. So I think maybe we should address team by team there. Um, Wolves are the team with the best run in into the season in terms of uh, football fallouts kind of ticker. Uh, so they sit top there. And it is a sea of green with also some grey fixtures there. But I would kind of value some of those grey fixtures with a little bit of a pinch of salt. But yeah, Wolves there... They've got a terrific attack, and I think maybe travelling up there is quite a good idea. They're a team as well that have a lot to play for because they're going to be vying for Europe. And yes, some of the teams that they're playing against will be teams fighting for survival. So their next three are against relegation uh, favourites in many people's eyes, Bournemouth, Aston Villa, but they've also got West Ham. But what I would say 
is that Wolves are a team that A, have a lot to play for, but also B, very good statistically going forward. Defensively, not so much. And I'm always a bit wary of having a Wolves defender in my side, maybe apart from Matt Doherty. But all those other fixtures, you know, against Arsenal, Sheffield United, Everton, Wolves are probably the better team out of all those sides. And as mentioned, they've got something to play for. So I think trebling up on their assets is just the right thing to do. I, I don't know if you disagree, though, there, Seb. Maybe other teams have more to fight for in the fixture list. Um, no, I think you're generally right, I think. Um, I'm not sure if I would go as far as tripling, um, although I think they do have um, some good value defenders in there, actually, as well. Um, but, uh, I mean, who are you thinking about from the Wolves team in particular? Are you thinking about two attackers, or are you thinking about uh, maybe two defenders uh, or maybe just split it out with one one mid, one defender, one forward? Uh, well, my tactic would be no defenders because uh, we kind of chatted about this with Alex Stewart when he came on and the personnel that Wolves have in defence is the weakest area of the team and they're just not good enough. Patricio's not a good enough goalkeeper. Uh, people like Connor Cody, who is a, a transformed midfielder into defender, he does a really good job. But he's, he's not, you know, elite level. He's not up there with the biggest and the best. So I think that's where their problem lies, Wolves. Um, I think it, you have to look at their midfielders and strikers, namely Jimenez, who I think is one of the most undervalued, underappreciated assets in the Premier League this season. Yota, who uh, we have our theory that he's a fair weather player, like Perez, um, and finally, I would say a midfielder, and the favourite has to be Adama Traore, who is reborn uh, in this team this season. I think they're the three favourites that I'm kind of picking. But do you have any others that maybe people should be going for? Well, that's, uh, that's a no-holds-barred um, choice of striker there. Um... Um, to be honest, I, I would feel um, uncomfortable doing that, putting all of your eggs into that attacking basket of Wolves, um, especially Traore, because he has shown to be explosive, but only against very, very good teams. And who are Wolves playing? They're playing some pretty crappy teams in the in the fixture running. Um, <laughs> so I would be reluctant to go for Traore. Um, and to be honest, just doubling up on Yotta um, and Jimenez, um, you know, what happens if, if there's a nil-nil? You know, you've probably having a bad game week there um but then again if they score loads then you get then your quids in um it, i mean i think i'm gonna be uh i'm gonna be sound like a broken record but it's, it's gonna be so tough to tell how uh how the break has affected these different teams um and wolves is a i think is a great place to invest in but i i don't think they're the only or they're although the uh they're the, they're the key choice here uh i think there's gonna be some other the some other options that are going to become available. <laughs> well, what I would say about Yota is he had fantastic form coming into those final games. And I'm looking a little bit at the data, obviously building up into those final matches, but maybe the time off will erode that. But for me, Wolves are a side that have a really clear philosophy and they're going to stick to that. They're less pragmatic than other teams that are kind of vying for the same places. Um, so Tottenham, I think, are going to do really badly because they don't have a set play style. They kind of approach each match at a time. Whereas Wolves kind of set up the same way. In terms of data, though, Raul Jimenez is top for shots inside the box this season. 
He's matched uh, or nearly matched his XG. He's slightly below it, but he's a he's a world class forward, I would say so. And Diogo Yota, although he's been injured for a lot of the time, he's amassed an XG of ten. He's only got six goals, so he's underperformed. But I would say that he's he's done all right there as well. And his shots inside the box are comparable to the likes of like Mares, Graylish, and he costs about the same. And I would say. Graylish versus Yota, he's in a better side, uh, but is taking up a forward slot. Obviously, Graylish takes up a midfielder slot, but I have a lot of confidence. But I do hear your reservations about Traore. I do think he is a bit of a patchy performer. Whether he will be a patchy performer in towards the end of the season, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. And probably there's not a lot of data as well to suggest it. So maybe a double up then of Wolves attackers for me. Um, and, you know, we'll get on to transfers a little bit later, but Wolves players are in my side at the moment. But you're saying there that there are other teams that people should be turning attention to. Who's caught your eye then, Seb? Um, well, I think Man United uh, are going to be an interesting team. Um, I mean, we saw uh, in, the, in the games that he did play, uh, Bruno Fernandes uh, made a, a huge impact. Um, uh, and... I mean, there's only about four or five games or so, I think, where he played. But, you know, if they can continue that uh, that good form from um, from just before the break, um, with those fixtures, they could be some uh, they could be some really good options in that Man United team. Uh, saying that, though, I, I don't actually have any in my in my team for this week, uh, although they are playing uh, Spurs away, uh, which I guess would, would explain that. But I would I'm definitely looking at uh, their options uh, from next game week. Uh, I think Rashford looks like uh, an interesting choice, um, and of course Fernandez as well. But he's, he's he's become so expensive now. Yeah, I I like the Tottenham fixture because I think Tottenham are probably one of the worst. I think third worst last time I looked defense since Mourinho's been in charge. He's not really turned things around at all there. Uh, the the team had done well. Oh, but, but what about all those uh, individual training sessions he did uh, during lockdown, though? Uh, well, during... that could have <laughs> or, got uh, him in ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I love that shout. Um, do you think that's really made a huge difference? And they're going to come out stealing <laughs> defence? <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just uh, jesting. <laughs> um, but yes, now I do have to say that Man United are a team that I've been highly sceptical of. I think we both have all this season. Um, what I can say for sure is that the defensive data has been solid all season. It's the attacking assets that I've been very sceptical of people bringing in. Uh, the likes of Martial, Rashford, they just seem to be so streaky. Uh, they were the most baconish of players around because... But, but it's so, sorry, sorry. I, I mean, Rashford and Jimenez, um, what do you think the difference in points is... For those two, uh, I think they're quite close, aren't they? Like maybe ten or fifteen. Yeah, pretty points. much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, fifteen points, I think, for for Jimenez. I mean, he is slightly cheaper. I mean, but but you know, you're, you're being um, uh, you're being dismissive of someone who's who's uh, at a very similar level, I think, to someone that you really love. Yeah, uh, I think though a lot of Rashford points have become uh, have come from penalties, haven't they? You know, you've got to think of his non-penalty XG is actually lowered by the fact that I think he's taken four 
or five penalties this season. So you, you basically got a knockoff five from there. So when you look at his kind of raw data, shots inside the box, Raul Jimenez has 72, Rashford has 42. It's, it's like chalk and cheese, really. He's doing a lot more, Jimenez, and he's a lot more involved with creativity as well. My point is that Man United have a creativity problem. I'm not sure if Fernandez solves it, but you know what? I'm going to put you know your point on the table here, and actually I do have Fernandez in my team. Um, I am going to take a gamble on them because the data suggests that Man United aren't improved under, uh, well, with Fernandez coming in. And I have a sneaking suspicion, and this is why I'm so worried about it, that Fernandez has had a, quote, new manager effect, but a new player effect. He's a marquee signing, and I think that's what he's done. But none of the data suggests that Man United have improved. But what I would say is that since January, Man United have been lacking Rashford, he's been injured. Pogba is out. I don't know if he'll be back in. But I think the team, probably with Rashford back in, will score more goals. Fernandez won't be relied upon as much to kind of do the goal scoring and shooting. I, I am a little bit worried, but I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there. I think that Man United will score more more goals and probably make it into the Champions League going into this. Um, I think they'll get that fifth spot. So yeah, I, I'm I'm a little bit conflicted. I don't know. Do Do you have anything that will pacify my nerves on Man United? No, not at all. I mean, it's 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 going to be a tricky choice. Um, but I think uh, I don't know. It's it, it's so funny balance between those two teams of, of fixtures. You know, placing and, and kind of quality of player. Uh, it's just going to be a, a tough one to fit fit them all in. Yeah, and I think one thing that will stand out for, in my mind, Fernandez, is that Man United have been very poor on dead ball situations. And then when he's come in, they've improved a lot. He's he's a very good deliverer of the ball. Harry Maguire is a very good header of the ball. He wins, I think he won the most aerial duels last season in the Premier League. So there is potential there that he can assist in those dead ball situations as well. Um, so yeah, I'd... I think there is a lot there. And obviously the Man United fixtures coming up, I think that they will comfortably beat Tottenham, even though it is away. I think this whole home away thing is, is going to be eroded. It's going to be the best team on the day. And then, yes, they are playing a lot of relegation potential teams. They've got Brighton, Bournemouth, Aston Villa and West Ham. But you just got to look at the defensive data of teams like Bournemouth, Aston Villa and West Ham. They're appalling, aren't they? Uh, Southampton aren't much better. The only big worries there in terms of attack is Crystal Palace and Sheffield United. I'd say more so uh, they're going to cause issues for Man United's attack than Tottenham as well. So there is a lot of positives there. Um, but you said this week you haven't got any Man United assets in. Who are you looking at, though, from the team maybe Post this game week, I think you're alluding to a certain tactic that you're doing. Um, well, yeah, I mean, uh, so I'm. I think as I, as I mentioned before, I'm I'm dead ending my team for for a bench boost this week, and then and then wild carding next week um, for my sort of team for the run in. Um, so I'll have to to look, to look look at how my United perform uh, this week, and if if I'm impressed, then I think 
someone like Fernandez is probably uh, straight in my team. Um, yeah, that's that's my general strategy. Okay. Um, so, any other teams that you're kind of looking at for maybe this game week uh, in terms of the double game week, or just for the end of the season, more longevity in mind? So, Man City um, is is a big one for me. I've currently got three of their players in, probably three of their best players uh, in Lovely. FBL terms: Laporte, <laughs> De Bruyne, and Aguero for this game week, um, and. I think some people are writing them off um, as to how good they can be. Although, to be honest, I am a little bit concerned with the extra subs and how that's going to exacerbate Pep's wheel of <laughs> rotation. Um, but the three that I've gone for, um, uh, they're such uh, key players, and I think Pep's going to want to play them um, as much as possible. Um, and remember when Man City were incredible at the start of the season and then Laporte got injured and then they stopped, stopped being incredible? Uh, I mean, De Bruyne has has, has been a, a steady performer all all season, so um, he's kind of at, um, separate to this. But I think the whole team is going to is going to be uh, better uh, a better team for 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 Laporte being in there. Um, so I think going heavy on on them um, could actually pay off quite well. What do you think? Yeah, I I don't get this argument about Man City because yes, uh, obviously they don't have much to play for, but this is Pep. And we all know how inspirational and how driven he is to win in every sort of situation. He, he doesn't like to give up. He's not going to be happy with those players who give up as well. Uh, De Bruyne is, I think, just one of those essential players. He's so good and he will be so good coming back. Uh, Aguero, he might look even better and beneficial from this little rest off because uh, he's a player that has had injury problems in the past. And we were kind of worried going into the end of the season he's going to play Champions League and he's going to play League and he's going to play FA Cup because obviously Man City is still in with a shout of everything apart from the Premier League and now that injury rotation risk is severely reduced so that's a really positive thing as well and obviously he's just a mammoth striker so I like that shout as well also Arsenal next he loves a game against Arsenal (laughs) he loves scoring (laughs) bundles of goals against us and he, he's just world class and Laporte like you said when he's in the side Man City are much bitter, uh, better and the team have really underperformed this season I think it's a bit of a burnout it's a bit of psychology and uh, physical uh, burnout from the team and I think they'll come back stronger next season I think they need to bring in some people but going into the end of the season their fixture ticker's always good. They do turn up against every team if they're all right. Um, so, yeah, I, I like all your shouts there. My question is, though, Laporte, with his injuries, three months off, obviously he's going to be a little bit rested, but I think there's a risk of rotation of him because I think they're going to manage his minutes now. They know that they don't want to risk him for the rest of the season. Are you worried that he's going to be subbed off before that 60-minute mark quite often? Um, well, I'm all right now that you've raised it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that I'm going to have to, like, I guess, check the press conferences um, and sort of the latest um, up to the up to the deadline. Um, but you raise a good point, and uh, I may well have to... Uh, I may well have to get him out, perhaps... Um, but, you know, I, I, I do love the idea of him being in there. Um, so I think we'll wait and see on that one. <laughs> he's, he's good as well because he's good on the set-piece situations that De Bruyne will deliver. 
The only other player that I I could possibly suggest in the defensive back line is a Mr. Carl Walker. But with the kind of things that have happened during lockdown, do you think that his team place is under threat now from Cancelo and because of his actions? Yeah, I would stay clear of the fullbacks, totally. Um, yeah, I think that's just uh, pretty obvious, I think. Yeah, and the, the sad thing is, apart from Laporte, there's nobody else kind of in that back line, which I think Man City will get clean sheets. You know, they're, they're one of the best teams in the world, <laughs> not just in the Premier League. So I think that there are clean sheets there to get. It's just who's going to play in that defensive back line. Uh, Otamendi's obviously not a favourite. Fernandinho will probably start there, but he's a midfielder, so he's wrongly categorised. Um, it's going to be hard to get the points there. Have you looked at possibly maybe a Mares or even a Raheem Sterling, though? Um, no. Um, Mares, uh, he doesn't start um, regularly enough for me. Um, Sterling has been absolutely awful this season. Maybe he uh, locked down uh, and the whole Black Lives Matter movement uh, maybe has spurred him on to try and uh, get some good points for us, maybe. Um, but Prove the hate is my, wrong, yeah. My... Um, I, I think as well, yeah, it, it might galvanise him, uh, prove the hate is wrong and, and things like that. And of course, you know, it's a serious matter as well that we give total backing for with the Black Lives Matter. But with Sterling there, I mean, you said that he's not had a very good season there, but he's on 118 points. He's near to, to Hyungman's son, who you'd probably say has had a good season. Uh, he's only about 15 points off Richarlison. Uh, is it that bad of a season? I mean, he's well, he's, he's like four goals. million more than Richarlison, right? Sorry, uh, sorry, man. I think there's some sound issues. I, I heard some random sound when I was talking about Sterling, oh, okay. which I thought was you, um, but I think it wasn't. Uh, try it now. Is it a little bit? Hang on. Is this a little bit better now? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. It was just uh, random. Um, I, th- I thought you were saying something like, oh, sorry, mate, uh, someone's come in or something. Um, <laughs> it might uh, be the yeah. connection, you oh, know. My inter- it just it, it just it just happened there uh, when you started talking. Right. Well, what happened? Like, like it, there was some kind of muffled voice behind you. <laughs> it was super creepy. <laughs> um, I don't know what to do about that. Um, I think it it might just be a connection issue. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's just continue, and I'll 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 be a bit more um, a bit less attracted by it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So with Sterling though, he's got eleven goals to assist this season. It, it's not too bad. It's just it's just not enough for someone who's worth who's priced at like twelve million. No way. He's he's only six goals off his total of last season. And with a pretty good run in, he's definitely going to be one of the starters because obviously Sane seems to be heading out the door there. Um, This could be the time that he redeems himself, but you're not risking it then. No, but and the good thing in my strategy is that um, I'll be able to tell from the first game um, if there's going to be any surprises uh, with with Man City. Yeah, that is a fair point as well. You're kind of safeguarding there. A little bit. Now, another team there that you've mentioned is Tottenham. Do you like any of them? Uh, do you like any of their players? Oh yes, I really want to get in uh, Son 
Uh, I mean, he when he was back um, for the last few games um, before the break, uh, he, he's, he looked really dangerous, scored a lot of a lot of points, and I'm looking to get in those points as well. Uh, and their fixture run um, to the to the end of the season is is looking really good. Um, and he's a bit of a wild card, I think. Um, he's a bit streaky. Um, he's a bit of a nostalgia pick, I could, you could say, I guess, because um, uh, I, uh, I have such good good memories of, of owning him and uh, being on the the first one on the bandwagon once he's uh, starts again. Um, so looking to kind of emulate that if I can. <laughs> I think though, with Tottenham, uh, any sort of kind of Tottenham things is is the fact that they've really kind of overperformed in attack. So what they've done, uh, obviously Hungmin's son looks good, but he's he's looked better than he has because he's scored all the kind of opportunities where realistically he should have spurned a few. That Tottenham attack has really carried that team, whereas the defence has been really appalling. And I just don't see, with, with a team that is competing with the likes of Bournemouth and Norwich for the number of big chances created... It's, it's not going to be a good story, I think, for owning one of their assets, you know. Um, so I'll just throw it to you with the, the kind of data of Tottenham because I, I looked into this again for a great chat with Alex Stewart. So since Mourinho has been there, uh, they've been like about fifth in terms of points accrued, like in total. But when you actually dig down into the the actual nitty-gritty numbers. It's it's not good stuff. They're, they're not producing a lot of uh, good chances. Chances created are, are really poor. And I, I just... Yeah, I, I just don't get the appeal of the, their assets, if I'm honest. And I think we're going to have to be really wary of, of their kind of players coming into your teams. Their, their set pieces... Or another thing that's really causing concern as well. So I don't know. Well, what has is it just because of that nostalgia pick with Sun? Is that maybe kind of spurning you on to pick him? Um, no. Um, but I mean, the way I play FPL has uh, I've, I've just been a bit more uh, risk taking. I think. Um, but with Son, I don't think it's a big risk. Um, and yeah, I mean. Uh, <laughs> Perhaps, uh, you know, under Mourinho, they've not performed the best. Uh, but, you know, Son has scored four goals in three games. Um, you can't you can't argue against that. Um, so it's just, it's, 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 a, it's a gamble, I think, that um, it's a safe gamble, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I get you. It, he's kind of proven himself to be a player that can overperform, that can perform in the face of adversity. It's a bit like Abamyang. You know, um, he's another player that has scored loads of goals, even when Arsenal have been terrible. So I, I get your point there. Just for me, I want to invest in a player that I know is probably playing for a good team that will probably assist um, their appoints uh, accruement rather than kind of going, he's good in the past, but this is this is a son in a Tottenham team that were a lot better that had still had Ericsson that had a lot of more able players. Whereas now I do really question them. You know, uh, I think maybe I'm going a little bit too hard in their attack, but their defense has been so, so bad. 
and they've been on the bottom uh, they've been on the back foot for so many games this season so but is he the only one in Tottenham then that you're kind of viewing um, for now, yes. Um, we'll, we'll see how they do against Man United. Um, but I, I think you're you're assigning an awful lot of um, uh, value to season statistics when there's been a huge change in this in the in the landscape of football. Um, and I think we'll be seeing big changes um, to how players play, uh, how teams set up. Um, maybe uh, you know the level of fitness is going to be tested. Um, you know, only having seven or eight games to play before the season ends is going to be so strange. I mean, this is uncertainty, right? And and I'm looking at this uncertainty and I'm, and I'm thinking that players like Son, that, you know, the explosive streaky ones that you never know are really going to uh, either turn up one day or, or just be, um, uh, be unseen the next. Those kind of players, I think, really excite me in this kind of unexpected, uncertain period. Um, but... Then again, you know, you can't argue against uh, statistics. Um, but I just, I just have a feeling with with Son on that one. But I suppose, would you say then that it's kind of like comparable to the start of the season when uh, when we come back? You know, it's going to be all over the place and stuff because Son at the start of the season obviously missed the first two. But then he scored two goals against Crystal Palace, and then he had a goal drought from game week five to game week 12. Uh, he did have assists here and there. I think he accrued, a, I think, like four or five assists in that time. But that's not somebody that's doing a lot for me in what you kind of described as a little bit of a hectic time. I think Sun does best when the team is ticking over nicely. And he, he seemed to do a little bit better in that new manager bounce post Mourinho coming in. So he got one against Norwich, he got one against City, and he got two against Aston Villa. But then, since then, um, he, he's, you know, I, I just don't see it myself, the, the Tottenham team. I know, obviously, coming back, the statistics won't matter as much because it's a bit like looking at last season's data to uh, tell you something about this season. But that was the only way that we knew who to pick in our teams at the start of this season. And obviously, it kind of changes here and there. But... I think that's the big guidance to tell you that Tottenham are a pretty poor team. And I, Mourinho has a lot of work to do there. Whereas with other teams like Wolves, Man United, Man City, their base level is so much higher than Tottenham are coming into this, if you get what I mean. So somebody like Rashford is going to be a high level or Fernandes. They're, they're already starting better off than Sun. Um, no, I don't. I don't believe that at all. I mean, Wolves are two points above Tottenham with the same games. Uh, I mean, you can't you can't say that they're two different teams. I mean, the way you're talking about Spurs, it's like they they can't score and they concede all the time. Like, I, I, I'm always looking for the next change. Uh, who, which team uh, maybe was overlooked for the past five or ten games? We've had a bad run and can suddenly kind of have a resurgence. You know, I'm looking for that that change. Um, and I think that could be it with Tottenham with with the fixtures as well. Um, and I'm just, I'm just, I guess I'm a little bit more optimistic, I think, in, in my view of them than, than you are. <laughs> but I think, I think we've, uh, we've kind of talked them uh, to death at the moment. Yeah. Um, I, okay. Uh, we can move it on then to maybe a team that I do like, and you're probably going to attack me for this. <laughs> I like, okay. I like Watford. I think Watford are a good little side, and I think that there's going to be some good 
assets to pick up there in defence. And I like the look of goalkeeper Foster as well. Uh, so since Nigel Pearson has been in charge, uh, the team have amounted the sixth, sorry, they've conceded the sixth least amount of goals in the Premier League. And they, they've looked really good as well in terms of their defensive data. They've really shut up shop. They're not allowing many big chances. And I think they've accrued four clean sheets as well. So they're looking like a really good side. And obviously we have to talk about the fact that they were the only team to beat Liverpool this season. Um, a little bit earlier on, we kind of, when I say earlier on, I mean like a few weeks ago, we talked about Saar, Dini, Decore, players like that. Do any of them attract you at all as like cheaper enablers in your side? Um, potentially, I'm just thinking though. Like, take away that that great result against Liverpool. Have you got a good team there that that's going to be threatening going forward? And I mean, yeah, you said they've got some good defensive uh, performances. Um, so yeah, potentially. But I don't know. I'm just I'm not I'm not that keen on them. But I mean, then again, saying that the position that they are in in the table, they they have all to play for um, to avoid relegation and. I think they do actually have the quality players to try and to try and get out of there. So, I, I'm I'm mixed about them. Um, to be honest, it could go either way. Um, but I mean, who who are you looking for uh, player wise? I do like Ishmael Saar, um, and I think that he was on a fantastic run before he sadly got injured, and he he was getting really good data as well. He was getting a lot of shots in the box. Dini attracted me a little bit as well because he's the talisman, but also he is on penalties. And I think is is sorry is is Dini is Dini playing though? I thought he refused to play. Oh, I don't know if he's actually going to play. That is a good question. I haven't actually looked up whether or not he's hundred uh, percent playing. Because yeah, you're right. He was one of the vocal people who you know in in their right way have kind of voiced their concern with it a bit like Angolo Kante. I know Kante has returned, but that is something that maybe people will have to, to keep an eye on. But in many ways, then, that kind of enhances my belief in somebody like Ishmael Saar because he is a really good creative midfielder. Um, since Pearson has been in charge, Watford are actually, in terms of expected points, the eighth best team in the Premier League. So I think they've got fairly good goals going for them, but... I think defence is their main area. Would you consider a defensive asset like Craig Cathcart? You know, he's 4.3 mil. He starts each week. But also he does have the potential of maybe a set-piece goal. Uh, I don't know if that's something you'd consider. Um, Potentially. But, I mean, they're, they're in a relega relegation fight for a reason. That's because they're not a good team. Um, that could well change uh, in the last few games. But, uh, yeah. It just doesn't fill me with that much uh, hope uh, or confidence by playing um, a centre back uh, that's in the like the bottom four or five teams in the league. But they've had the the, the eighth best performance since Pearson's been there. So, well, eighth out of twenty. So, yes. I mean, you know, I mean, that's all all well and good, but you know, their their attack is probably uh, so much worse than that. So their defence has to be at least. Uh, mediocrely good just to stand a chance of, of staying in the league um, yeah. you know it, I think there's I think there are better options um, 
for more well-established defenses with better better managers, you know, like Sheffield United and um, uh, and uh, Burnley. Oh, that's a that's an interesting one about Burnley because I think since uh, Pearson's been in charge, Watford have had oh no, they've had the same. I, I will have to backtrack on my point there that I was going to make. Burnley are a solid defense. But they've they've been dribs and drabsy, haven't they, this season? I, I think Dyche has been definitely Dyching with death because at one point the team were looking to go down as well. But the, no, okay, I, I'm not going to say my point there because the data doesn't back me up. Anybody else that you're looking at in terms of teams that you want to promote or maybe warn against? I mean, we have to talk about Liverpool at some point. Yes, absolutely. Liverpool is a tricky one. Um I mean, they do they have much to play for? I mean, they're winning the title. They want to do it in style. Uh, I don't think they'll be affected too much. Um, although I, I do think potentially clean sheet wise, they may they may well slip. Um, but saying that, I've still got Alexander Arnold in there because he's an absolute beast. Monster. Um, at assists. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, but it has led me to taking out Salah. Um, mm. So I'm going without Salah or Mane, um, which is a, is a risk, but I think it's one that's calculated um and to be honest i can't really see many other good options in there apart from uh, alexander arnold um and i think i'm happy with just the just, with owning just him from liverpool for the rest of the season I, I actually am thinking about getting in jordan henderson um even though he's not prolific at all in any way in fpl <laughs> he's super cheap and he's uh, he's I think he's going to win or has won. Maybe, maybe you know this, um, like uh, uh, award player of the season or something. Um, and I just have a feeling that he's going to why with some crazy good goals. And and I think he did have a, a nice little run um, coming up to the the uh, the break where he um, he was actually in amongst the goals and assists. And for about five and a half million or so, uh, you really can't go wrong there. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I don't don't think I trust in Henderson as much as you but it's it's a fun maverick move I just I'd feel so uncomfortable without Mane or Salah they're the top scorers this season um in terms of FPL points Salah you know up there his usual king self Mane just behind De Bruyne three points less is that a wise decision to have none of the top three performers apart from De Bruyne this season. Surely you've got to have at least one of those two. Well, potentially, but then, you know, they take up a huge, um, a huge price, uh, a huge part of the value in your, in your squad. And uh, I want to, I want to get on with the, the, uh, the, the double game week players like Abami and Aguero, De Bruyne. So I just, I don't have room for them at the moment. Um, but with the, with my um, flexibility of, of the wildcard next week, I, I can always go back on that, um, depending on how well they perform. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just I just think that Liverpool will have been celebrating. You know, I don't think they'll have been thinking. Uh, you know, let's get back to the league and score as many goals as possible. And uh, and you know, they're they're not playing for for the unbeaten season as well. Um, so I, I just I just have a feeling and. Maybe maybe I am looking into it um, with tinted spectacles on because not having one of them means that I can actually get someone else that I really want in my team. 
um, and load up on, on those good Man City assets. So it's a risk. Um, and, uh, well, I guess it's a, it's a natural experiment to see who, uh, who's right. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And I felt bad even just taking Mane out my team. I've still got Salah in there, but it just felt wrong that I was taking out the third highest scoring player in in Premier League this season in terms of FPL points. Um, but yeah, with with the, the whole kind of Liverpool debate, my feeling is that yes, they've lost the unbeaten run. But I think in many ways, an unbeaten run shackles many teams and you kind of saw Liverpool uh, a little bit faltering in those last few games so they kind of hit a really good run coming out of January and they were playing really good football their data was actually improved they were the best team in terms of attack defense then they had a little drop off around the kind of falling out of the Champions League it's a bit like the Arsenal invincible season where they had that huge blip almost towards the end of the season, but unfortunately for Liverpool, they actually did lose a game. I think Watford, uh, sorry, I think Liverpool are going to come back strong because they still have the best points haul ever in Premier League history to beat. And I think they'll have the post, uh, sorry, more than 100 points in mind, which is easily doable, by the way, with the amount of games and uh, points left on the table. I think they're going to be gunning for that. They're going to really have that in their back of the mind. And, of course, Klopp is a really good motivator. You know, he's not going to let those players give up. I think we could see some of the best football from Liverpool with a little bit of the chains off. They now don't have to worry about the league. And they can they can go back to their really fun kind of OG Klopp years where they were scoring four but conceding three. I don't think they'll concede that much, but I think they will be scoring quite a bit. I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think there? Or are you still kind of with your belief? I mean, yeah, you, you could well be right. Um, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I can't offer more than that. <laughs> uh, I think the two final ones that I want to really address are Arsenal and Chelsea. But is there any team that you want to bring up before we move probably on to the final two before our team selections and things like that? No, that, that's good, that's good. Okay, so with Arsenal, I think they're a total avoid, apart from maybe one Saka. Uh, he's a very good player, and I think he, he's got potential to do bits. It's just whether he keeps that left-back position, because I think Kieran Tierney is back to full fitness or nearly there, so I think he might be vying with a spot there with Saka, who Arteta himself said is a winger slash midfielder. So um, we might be seeing Saka maybe deployed in a different way. I don't know. Um, but in terms of the fixtures then, because I think this is where people are looking, it's a nice run, but it's against teams that Arsenal have struggled against earlier in the season. And also the data for Arsenal under Arteta is pretty atrocious. It's not very good. And the only kind of positive is that Aubameyang has hugely overperformed but an overperformance isn't generally a good thing when the rest of the team aren't doing well but am I being too critical Seb should uh, people actually be looking at Arsenal um, I think you're being way too critical of Aubameyang because players <laughs> of his calibre they have to overperform to be a good player that's just what good players do um, 
but I have actually tripled up on Arsenal for this this game week at least. Um, I'm not going in there with, with massive hopes at all. Um, Aubameyang is a player that I, I got in uh, a few weeks before uh, the break. Um, geniusly, I, I, w- I would I would hasten to add, uh, as he uh, straight away got me uh, 21 points in two games. Um, and I'm happy just to keep him in, um, see how it goes. Um, great run of fixtures. It's a new, it's under a new manager. Um, I don't know. Again, it's just a bit of unpredictability. I quite like that. Um, I quite like um, going for going for those risky picks. Uh, but with Aubameyang, it's not really a risky pick because he's such a great player. Um, Saka, I think you raised really good points there. Uh, he's currently in my team, and uh, I'll have to look into the threats. Um, but I, I suspect that Arteta really likes Saka, and I think he'll probably, uh, I don't know, get, allow him to keep his place in, until he. Uh, until he starts maybe playing uh, playing slightly worse, or maybe he wants to give Tierney another go later on. But yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, and someone like uh, Burnt Leno, um, <laughs> that's it's, he's he's going to be a bit of a risk to have. Um, but just I mean, for the two for the two game weeks, uh, for the, oh, sorry for the double game week, um, I'm I'm kind of uh, to see if he can get some good save points for the City game and, and maybe keep a clean sheet against Brighton. Who knows? Um, but I'm, I'm not too uh, too keen on him to win. So I do kind of echo your thoughts, um, but I would say that Aubameyang is just, he's just a good pick in general. But the, just for me, the data doesn't match up. Like he's done well, but you... It's was... not about data with Aubameyang. It, 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 it never has been at Arsenal. He, he doesn't really shoot that much, um, but when he does, he usually shoots in great positions and he's got a great... Uh, uh, a great strike on him. Um, it's 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 just one of those players that will always be a good pick. Will always be uh, have a threat of getting a, a hat trick or a brace, uh, much more than anyone else. But if you look at Leicester, Jamie Vardy, there is always a real convergence to the data. I think that Abamyang is scoring two times the amount that he should do. Team uh, players. Uh, Lionel Messi is the most elite player in world football. He can score consistently 20% above his output. Not two times. That's just ridiculous. So just to kind of show you how bad the data has been for Aubameyang, I'm going to scroll down for his shots in the box. If you just listen to me kind of scrolling, scolling, scrolling, scrolling, oh, there he is. Jose Perez has had more shots on the box and a higher XG. Christian Benteke, Jordan Ayew, Mikel Antonio, uh, Graylish, uh, the person that you didn't like, Raheem Sterling, about the same in terms of XG and shots. So, for how, for how, for what stretch of the season is this? Since Arteta has been in charge, the the data is just really appalling, and it would worry me to invest eleven million in him. But then in you were kind of a little bit worried about 11 million in somebody like Sterling, who has the same sort of data, but in a team that is occupying second position rather than ninth and nothing really going for them. I, I don't know. Just for me, I can't see why you'd want a, a striker who potentially wants away um, in a team that is really rebuilding and hasn't got much going for it. I don't know. Does the data sway you a little bit? Fair enough. Um, I'm just banking on the data changing. Um, <laughs> but And saying that as well, 
Aubameyang has shown he doesn't need to shoot that often to score points. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Uh, moving on to a team that has really underperformed against their data and uh, probably should be about the position that they are, Chelsea. Uh, I think they've got a fair few assets that look appealing. Uh, I'm reviewing my team at the moment. I'm looking at the likes of probably Mount, uh, maybe not Pulisic. I think that's a bit of a stretch because of his injuries and inconsistency. But what do you think about the boys in blue? Um. Yeah, I am optimistic about them in general. Um, they have a lot to play for, of course. They have pretty good run of fixtures uh, up until the last uh, last two games there. Um, I've currently got Reese James in because he was my sort of wildcard pick. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I just, <laughs> uh, before um, before lockdown set in, uh, and I think I'll kick myself if he does well and I take him out. Um but I, I like that logic. Not... <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. FPL thinking that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm I'm not sure who is the go-to asset in in their team. Um, Mount obviously had a great start to the season and then just sort of tailed off. Um, Pulisic as well was great for like five games and then pretty crap after that. Um, I mean, talk me through. Who, who are you thinking of getting in from them? I have exactly the same problem as you. I really don't know who to bring in because, you know, looking up front, Abraham, he's good, 7.5, but is he better in my mind than some of the assets that we've already talked about? Jimenez, uh, we haven't really talked about Vardy in Leicester City. That's an interesting one. Third place team, but not a very good run. And maybe we'll, we'll get onto that in a minute. But yeah, it's really hard there because they don't seem to have many outstanding assets they're just good as a, a team as a unit they seem to work well uh, but individually I don't know in FPL it's, it's really really hard William might be the only one but is he nailed in that team he is on dead ball situations he is Chelsea's highest scoring midfielder second highest scoring FPL asset in total uh, what I can say is that I'm a little bit wary in terms of clean sheets, because Kepper is such a really bad keeper. Um, are you expecting to see goal scoring and assists from James then? Is that why you've got Min on top of a very, I would say, slight potential of clean sheets? Yeah, well, funny enough, actually, um, the game, one of the games that I got him in for was the 4 0 uh, win at home to Everton, where I was, <laughs> I think I remember this from last week, uh, from, from the last game week, where I was super, super happy that I saw that they they kept the clean sheet, and then I realised that James had subbed on um, like minute sixty oh, or something, God. which really annoyed <laughs> me. So I was right in that um, Chelsea would kept, would keep a clean sheet that game and score highly, uh, but James obviously wasn't in the points there. Um, so I am I am taking a really big risk with owning him, to be honest. Um, but I think Lampard likes that kind of player, yeah, um, and he, I mean, he. He got an assist in clean sheet before uh, with, with two bonus points. Um, uh, actually, back-to-back, -back, uh, he scored really, really really well, getting two bonus points from, from that uh, defensive position. So he's got it in his locker uh, to, to perform well um, and, and score highly in, in FBL. And I'm just hoping with those fixtures as well. You can do the same for me. Yeah, I think it's a wary thing, but probably he's, he's one of the better assets at Chelsea. He's got the potential there. 
he he does bomb forward and I just don't know where else. I I think you're in the same boat with me. Is is Willian a genuine consideration or at seven million? No, no, no. He's 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 a bit of a weird one, isn't he? I I just don't have that attraction to him. And Abraham, in your thoughts at all? Um, potentially. Um, I think it's just a wait and see for me. Um, I think is you're you're the data man. Um. Perhaps you can tell us more about his, uh, his his statistics, but he really hasn't lit the world on fire uh, at all, really, the second half of the season. Uh, he's not actually scored more than seven points since game week 15. Yeah, the problem with Abraham has really been a whole Chelsea team problem uh, in terms of the, the way that they've kind of played and, and things like that. It's quite worrying, you know, that... They don't have a lot of good data to kind of back them up. The only thing that they've done well, and this may play into your hands as well with kind of Reese James, is they've managed to work on their press. So their PPDA, so that's passes per defensive action numbers, have really... Um, so a reduction is better for a team that wants to press. So they've managed to really reduce that number. So that means that they're much better at it. The weird thing is, is that Chelsea are kind of producing fourth, second kind of data in terms of their spread. Um, it's just in game weeks 21 to 25, they kind of reduced their chances created. Uh, their goals went down a lot. So they went from uh, fifth best to seventh and they, they just weren't producing uh, a lot of high quality kind of chances for the team. I don't know if that was down to the fact that Kante was out of the side. But also, as you said there, <clears throat> Abraham himself kind of really just reduced in in his quality of shot taking and putting shots away. It's, it's something that maybe it was a lack of confidence because he's quite a young striker. Uh, so the overall team XG per game went down from 1.76 XG per game to 1.13. Um, it, it's a little bit worrying and I think maybe it's a burnout for young players um, yeah it's we shall see how it goes with them uh, he, he's uh, had an underperformance of 1.06 on his XG uh, but he only had 17 shots in the box uh, that were on target so th it wasn't a good time for Chelsea we'll see if they can come back because they're a young team I suppose we did mention their Leicester what are you thinking about them with their tough fixtures? Are, are they a team to now avoid and move away from? I think I would say yes, um, if it wasn't for that great performance um, that Barnes and Vardy had in the in the game week uh, just before lockdown started. Um, and Barnes, I think, uh, I, I was cursing myself against Perez over uh, over Barnes. Um Barnes looks like he's he's a real up and comer in that Leicester team. Um, whether that will continue, who knows? Um, but he is enough of a factor in my mind that I've actually got him in uh, for this game week. Um, but that's it for the extent of Leicester. I'm not I'm not certain about Vardy. I'm just, I just I never know if he's going to be good or not. Um, and I think with Leicester, they've actually reversed the Leicester of old, where they've actually been not very good against top teams this season but actually been quite good against uh, some of the worst teams that they should be beating 
and while their fixture run-in uh, is, is very tough. So generally, um, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm happy uh, not investing that much in them at all. But, you know, being the third place team, uh, they do demand your attention. So I'll be, I'll be watching their game uh, and their highlights uh, with keen eyes. Yeah, that's the weird thing. They are the third place team, but they don't feel like the third place team. Uh, they're the kind of bad run of form uh, post Christmas and a, a little bit before that as well. Really kind of brought a lot of questions into whether we can trust their assets. I did trust in Jamie Vardy as, as we did on the podcast. I renewed my membership to the Jamie Vardy party and became a fully paid up member with my box of WKD delivered to my door. Um, but he, yeah, he's been so sporadic this season. Barnes has been a, a good find and he really buoyed my uh, my points. We'll, we'll get on to what happened in game week nine just before we announce our teams, but um, game week 29, sorry. But um, yeah, I'm just... I do have Vardy and Barnes still in my team, but I'm really considering taking Vardy out. I think Barnes is all right to own because of his price point. He's a good player, but can I trust in Vardy? And Soyuncu is still in my side as well. Is he in yours? No, he's not. And he, he was like a pretty well-priced, kind of cheapish defender. I just don't know who I'd move to. So I'm sticking with them because they are the first best team. I still have a Leicester City trebler, but it just doesn't feel like the right thing to do. But I think we've answered all that we want to. So we're going to move on to the questions that the community wants answering. So we're back in the community questions, the first community questions in a very long time. And we've been... We've been sent some real <laughs> difficult ones, and I hope that we can answer and help you all with them. So C. Guinness Stout has welcomed us back, and uh, I hope you're enjoying it as well. Welcome back to the FPL community, to you as well, C. Guinness Stout, because we're all kind of coming out of our little caves <laughs> and emerging into this strange new world. But he's asked... Would you recommend free hit in game week 31 for those without a wild card if their team is set up well? It's a hard one uh, to know what people's teams are because it's, it's a very subjective thing to know if teams are set up well. You know, I might think that some of those players need to make a move. Free hit game week 31. I mean, we've kind of discussed this, haven't we already, Seb? I don't see the point in doing it, but I don't see a reason why you shouldn't as well if you think it's going to really benefit you because we're not sure if the FA Cup semi-finals are going to dictate a double game week later on. So I, I, for me, I, I don't really know. I don't think it's a bad or a good thing. I'm a bit neutral. Uh, what do you think on game week 31 free hit? It's, um, I don't understand why it's 31 in particular. Um, it's not a double game week, right? Um, so you may as well, if you're happy with your team, you may as well use it now just to load up on on the best options you think for the double game week. Um, I think, uh, and then maybe uh, use your free hit perhaps for a, an odd game week towards the end of the season where things get a bit hectic or maybe you think that there's uh, your, your... Oh, he said got he's, he's got no wild card though. So... I don't know um, if that affects your decision. 
Uh, no, I mean, I, I wasn't factoring what in wildcard with, okay. with my answer. Um, Continue then. Difficult. Sorry, I interrupted. But, I mean, I think it, it's, it's 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 the best. I think the best time to play it is now, to be honest. Okay, so uh, so shouldn't be game week thirty one. You'd recommend game week thirty if he's going to keep the team the same anyway. Yeah. Fair enough. So my Hackfield has asked optimal chip strategy with and without wildcard, considering all the chips are available. Um, interesting one. That's a big old question. Really depends on your teams as well. Uh, what kind of assets and what kind of style you're going to play with. So um, what I would say is that people are saying without a wild card, but this game week is basically a wild card. So use it wisely. Um, triple captain this game week wouldn't be too crazy. Uh, Seb, as you said, free hit wouldn't be too bad as well. Uh, but I think I just kind of want to see how people's forms are without putting a triple captain on just yet. Uh, free hit as well. I want to see kind of form, maybe take advantage of certain fixtures and maybe save it for the final game week of the season for one of those really thrilling high scoring games where nobody's got a lot to play for a bit like Crystal Palace versus Bournemouth last year which we tipped to be one of the best games to take part in and we were like oh god I wish we'd had more Crystal Palace and Bournemouth I'm, I'm going to call you out on this because I think you're just reluctant to play any chips but I mean he's asking for optimal chip strategy considering like all are available right I mean you've got to play three chips at some point like yeah and there's there's eight game weeks so you're gonna have to play a chip uh nearly uh, every other game week so <laughs> you better have an idea of when you're <laughs> gonna play it because i think you'll find that you're gonna be running out of game weeks to play them in it's a very fair point um i mean triple captain wouldn't as i said already wouldn't be too bad right now free hit unsure and bench boost again i'm unsure uh, i'll be honest with you i haven't planned for wild cards at the moment because uh, sorry for chips at the moment because I I don't know how teams are going to play uh, but then again there's only get eight game weeks to factor that into and I, I might have done it too late I think there's too much put on triple captain though because it is just 1.5 of your normal captain uh, the other two I, I don't know maybe you need to guide me on this one I, I don't really have well, a it's, I think it's pretty clear right uh, bench boost is, is probably the most powerful uh, and it's going to be ex um, uh, maximised the best in a double game week now is the double game week um, we're not quite sure when other double game weeks may uh, uh, occur we may well not get any um, but we may as well cash in your chip now when uh, when it's good going uh, and we're, we're just going to have to face the uh, face the uh, the reality of uncertainty here. Um, but I think there are some really good fixtures there to be had, especially with Man City. Um, and as well, uh, getting on the uh, on the Sheffield United defence for now, um, considering the the home and away um, uh, or the 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 reduction in importance of home and away, getting on that uh, Sheffield United defence uh, might be really good. Uh, considering they've got some really good fixtures. Um, in terms of the other chips, um, triple captain, I think you've just got to pick a game that you feel is good for your your player. Um, last season, it got me, I think, 80 points with Salah for one game, uh, which was pretty amazing. So you don't have to wait for a double game week for that. Um, so I think like a really plum fixture 
um, where someone's in really good form uh, is probably best for that one. And I'll be looking at that out for myself. And with free hits, um, I mean, people are leaning towards playing it on the last game of the season. Um, but that's the game where things go completely crazy. And I think free hit is it's going to be potluck for that one. But to be honest, <laughs> I can't really see uh, in many other candidates. I mean, we don't really have any blank game weeks coming up, do we? Um, that uh, that we that the free hitch it would be good for. So I think uh, that's going to be potluck pretty much for for the season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's thinking about it. Is any anything you want to take attention with there? No, I th- I think you've explained it well because I'm somebody that didn't really take it into attention, and maybe I should look into building a bit more of a stronger team with these double game weeks in mind. Maybe some more Man City assets because. I do have my wild card, and I could play that pretty soon. You know, once I know who's playing well, uh, and the triple captain again, like you said, just have to pick a good fixture. But I like the idea of the last game week kind of free hit. Um, maybe for teams that have a lot to play for as well. I don't know, but that one seems like a good one, and I was kind of hinting to that already. But um, yeah, I, I'm really kind of. Uh, not set on a chip strategy yet whereas would you say that yours is kind of more solidified yeah and i think you should solidify yours pretty soon mate i mean <laughs> I, I forgot that you didn't uh that obviously you have your wild card as well so that you have to play a chip um every every couple of game weeks until the rest of the season yeah so that's going to be a big one um my hackfield as well has asked another question he said impact five substitutes on squad selection process so uh, I do have an upcoming interview with Ben Dinnery which explains how there's an increased chance of injuries and I think with players kind of like we discussed with Laporte teams will have that in mind Uh, they will be kind of rotating it so they have five possible substitutes now 538, a really good kind of data-based analysis um, company, kind of analysed what's going on in the Bundesliga. So they have said only four of the league's 18 teams had used all of their available subs in every game so far, and not a single team was averaging one sub in the first two-thirds of regulation time. So teams are still kind of keeping to using substitutes post 60 minutes which might be a good thing for you Seb in terms of Laporte Um, also managers in Germany are being one of the most stingy with their substitutes holding on to them until the last half an hour even when they're losing and they're not actually reaping the benefits of aggressively using your limited substitutes so a normal player on the pitch has an average of about 0.1 xg whereas a substitute has uh, an XG of about 0.2. Very interesting. But managers are not capitalising upon this. So this is due to the fact that they're actually quite worried about players having weary legs. Will they be fresh because of this downtime? So the the data suggested that about 4.29 subs were used per match, but the increased personnel changes have concentrated towards the end of the match, which is kind of what we've seen already uh, also center backs and goalkeepers are rarely substituted fullbacks are also rarely substituted before the 60 minute mark 
the main kind of things are attacking players. So midfielders and forwards, uh, those who are doing lots of sprints and high impacts are on the muscles there. Um, I think that kind of means that you, you have to be wary about your midfielders. And so selecting players like Kevin De Bruyne, who are really integral to a Man City team, it's good. Uh, but does that make you change any way that you're going to play FPL, Seb? Uh, I I don't think it's affecting me too much at the moment. No, I think I think it's going to just make those already at risk of being substituted early, maybe slightly more, <laughs> slightly higher risk of being substituted early. Um, and for players like De Bruyne and Aguero, these are the players that you don't really care that much that they're going to get substituted. <laughs> um, I mean, it may well get to the point where it does become, um, you know, if it's like 60 minutes a game, um, that, that, that will become an issue. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's going to affect my thinking too much. Um, uh, but yeah, I think if you can invest in a centre back instead of a full back, and you're happy that you think that um, uh, the points per game might be roughly the same, then I think that that's probably a good good idea to do that. But as you just said, full back rarely get substitutes anyway. Um, so I think we're looking into this a little bit too. Uh, too much uh, than it should, than it's really giving us an effect. Yeah, uh, I think it's a bit of a too much of a worry. I, I don't think it's a real problem. And I think this is something Ben Dinnery would agree with as well. A lot of people kind of focus on rotation and injuries and things like that, but it doesn't happen as often as people think it does. The next question is Royal Yogurt Closet, and he said, I'll be free hitting as my team is fine already. For the games afterwards what would your ideal free hit team be so i guess that's for game week 30 plus um i've said players like henderson egan bolduc de bruyne aguero because obviously they've all got double game week fixtures but any more additions to that seb um well you're not so hot on arsenal um and i mean given the alternatives uh, I don't think Arsenal are, are a bad team at all to get in. Um, I mean, you're a big fan of, of Man United away to Spurs. Um, but in terms of my other thing, I mean, I mean, t- t- matchups like Bournemouth versus Palace, um, those are two teams which on their day, well, maybe more Bournemouth, but they can, they can score goals uh, and they've got mm, questionable defences. So it, you know, put, putting uh, going in for like a, a wild card uh, choice of like Callum Wilson or something for, for Bournemouth might be interesting. But but to be honest, with you, Bournemouth have been pretty bad this season, so perhaps perhaps best to avoid that. Um, I said <sighs> I said Zaha or Ayu from Crystal Palace because I think Crystal Palace defence will block out Bournemouth. Bournemouth's attack has been atrocious this season, but I think Palace have the potential to to do a bit of a shocker against them because Bournemouth's defence is so bad uh, that they will probably let in at least a goal to Crystal Palace. Yeah, I actually considered Zaha for this, um, but he's actually scored and he's played in every single game. He's completed 90 minutes um, for 28 times out of 29 games. He scored three goals this season. Yeah. This is not his season at all. He may well be angling for a move, but I mean... You're a data man, um, so you should be you should be avoiding him. 
if, if you want to keep any integrity <laughs> in my <laughs> eyes. Yeah, I, d- I don't say that you should get Will Saha at all, but he's somebody that, you know, mentioning that fixture, Jordan Ayew is the better player in terms yes, of a, a Crystal agree, Palace. Yeah. Uh, but even then, uh, I'd still be a bit wary of having <laughs> Jordan Ayew in my side. But against Bournemouth, he could do something. And if kind of like what you're doing, wild carding the next game week, I don't hate that. I, I think there's potential there because it, it will be probably a high scoring game. Bournemouth's defence is so shoddy. Um, interesting, though, I wonder what's been happening with Crystal Palace because Roy Hodgson obviously due to his age he's a high risk person has he been doing all the training sessions by zoom then <laughs> <laughs> i don't know to be honest uh, that'd be a story that would be amazing uh managing to keep your team up by doing it over zoom um any others for the game week 30 plus though uh, in terms of picks like you said i, I like man united against tottenham i think it's going to be a really good high scoring game any others though? I I can't really. I mean, there are some matchups that you think might be good, but then who do you really get? So, for example, like Norwich Southampton could be. Could, there could be some goals there, but who do you really get in? Apart um, from Ings. Yeah, it's it's so risky. So I think you just got to load up on Man City, uh, Sheffield United, um, maybe I think Wolves as well. They they've got quite a good fixture against West Ham. Um, and then maybe just, you know, cherry pick um, some sort of players that you have a good feeling about, I think. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so I hope that's helped. And I think the, the wall shout is really good because West Ham are another appalling defence. Even though I said a little bit early in the season, I thought Moyes would save that team. Uh, I might have to bite <laughs> the bullet there and admit that I was wrong. We'll see at the end of the season, though. Uh, Sun Juniper... 88 has said who would you say is the best keeper for the run-in uh, I'm going to put out Henderson and possibly Ben Foster but any others that you think people should have in I mean you had Martin Dubravka is that somebody you're going to stick with <laughs> um, potentially actually I've not actually had a look at Newcastle's uh, run-in oh they've got I think the third best run-in of any team no, oh fourth. really yeah um Maybe I'll have to start thinking about him then for my my uh, uh, wild card next week. But here's a shout, Edison. Uh, I, he's on the expensive end, but with Laporte back uh, and a nice run in uh, for the last few games, he could be uh, an interesting shout there. Um, but I guess if you do want to save the money, uh, someone probably safe like Pope uh, is probably uh, is probably fine there. Yeah, he's... actually, I think it's one one thing to mention as well is that I think Dean Henderson could actually be re- recalled to May United. Um, I had on the heard 1st this. Of July. Yes, and yeah. I would Man United do such a scummy thing as that? Would they really? <laughs> I don't know, but it's a risk, you know. Yeah, it is a risk. I just love Henderson. I love that Sheffield United backline, but if he does depart, I will have to really, really reconsider my Sheffield United treble up because obviously Dean Henderson I don't know if he'd play ahead of De Gea but also with Sheffield United he has a ridiculously above XG kind of save percentage it is insane Man United have such a good goalkeeper there 
Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be worried about Sheffield United there. He's one of the main components why they are where they are. And I think it could fall apart if they don't keep him. So that is one to keep in mind as well. Um, Marcos Barocas has asked us the final question this week. And he has put us, uh, I think, a bit of a hard one to answer the first bit. Who has the team that has be- behaved the best during this period? Um, and then he's also asked something that I think we can answer. Is who's the most motivated relegation or Europe? Uh, tackling the first bit, I think there's been individuals who have acted against quarantine rules and this and that, which is obviously bad. But I think on the whole, football players have done all right, apart from the Tottenham team, who Mourinho thought the rules didn't apply to, Um, which was funnily enough, they were training at a park right near where I live. Uh, So if if I just looked out the window, I might see Mourinho kind of shouting there at Ndombele, who he seems to have a weird hatred towards. Uh, But yeah, can you answer who's behaved well, or do you think that it's, it's just most people have done their bit and we're all kind of hoping for the best aren't we um i don't think it's, it's just, we can really say with any certainty of any particular team that's behaved well or not but we can say for certain that some players have not um not behaved very well yeah uh bringing mr mind who is out for for this game week he's been given a suspension um so i think you just got to look at individual players to be honest um it's just too tricky to say uh, as a team yeah uh, but in terms of the next bit of the question, who is most motivated, relegation or Europe? Now, I think he's asking this because he's looking at assets. And of course, that's all what we've got on mind with FPL, those big juicy assets. Um, now, in terms of it, relegation, I would say, in my mind, is the bigger motivator for teams. Uh, they're going to be going all out to avoid the cost of going down which to a club like Bournemouth who are on the financial edge anyway 200 million from their coffers could destroy the club it would be horrendous Um, so you will see some heroic performances but uh, a point that I'm echoing that you said a little bit earlier Seb is they are relegation teams for a reason they're not suddenly just all going to become Messi's and Pele's and Ronaldo's because they've got the drop. They, they're they there because they're not very good. Norwich, Aston Villa, Bournemouth have been the worst teams this season. And I don't think that's really going to change. So what I would say is that Europe will be a big motivator. And for the potential of those players, just invest in them. You know, the, the reason why Wolves are where they are is because they're actually quite a good unit. And they're fairly priced as well. You can pick up some good players from there. So... That's what I have to kind of say on that. Would you like to add anything on that, Seb? Um, I think I, I would agree with your assessment of teams at the bottom. I mean, we see this every year. Um, there's always maybe three teams that uh, suddenly think, oh, God, this is actually pretty dangerous. We better start doing quite uh, doing well here. And quite often it's, it's Crystal Palace. Um, but Palace <laughs> are actually finding themselves pretty much safe from relegation. Um We've seen that Southampton as well flirted with, with relegation um, a few months ago, um, but then they had a really good run and they seem to be pretty much out of it now, um, unless they go on a terrible run. And, and a team like Bournemouth, who, yes, they've been bad this season, really bad, but they are an established Premier League team for the last like seven, eight, ten years, right? Um, they have good players in there. You know, someone like um, Fraser, who was so good last season, uh, along with Wilson, um, 
you know, they're good players. Um, they can perform well. Uh, they haven't yet this season, but they could do. Um, so I'm looking at Bournemouth. I'm thinking that there's uh, the biggest upside. Uh, uh, the biggest upside in, the, in those in those bottom few teams is, is Bournemouth, and they can perform better. Um, but whether they will do, uh, we'll see. Um, I just have a feeling that if a team is going to be is going to escape um, and, and string a few really impressive victories together, it's going to be a team like Bournemouth. Interesting point of view. I mean, uh, I've just kind of like done a little piece on this about the relegation teams. I think Brighton are going to be fine because of their defence. They've got really good defenders in uh, Dunk and Burn, and I can't remember who the other one is for their, their team, but they, they've got a really solid back line, and I think that will see them over the line. They tightened up at the back as well, which was something that cost them last season. West Ham... Now, in terms of attacking teams, I know that you said Bournemouth are good, but I'd say that they have the best attackers out of those relegation sides. And again, I think they will be all right. Watford are absolutely fine. I think they'll be they'll be Gucci. They'll they'll you know stay up and everything. I don't see how Norwich, Aston Villa, or Bournemouth are going to avoid this because teams. Uh, who stay up, especially in these relegation battles. You reference Crystal Palace there. And the way that they do it consistently, uh, consistently is through defence. Aston Villa, Norwich and Bournemouth are the three worst defences in the league, bar none. They're, they're absolutely awful. And Bournemouth had an ability years gone by to outscore teams. But always, 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 and this is a statistical fact, the team that concede the most always go down the team that scores the least doesn't always go down uh an interesting foible there is that arsenal were the lowing scoring us team i think in like 1995 or 94 and we came about seventh so scoring goals weirdly enough in the premier league doesn't matter that much and bournemouth might be able to score more but their data has been so poor but the fact that they've got arguably the third second or worst defense it's a no-go for me. Uh, who do you think would go down, though? You know, you're saying that Bournemouth would probably stay up. Is it West Ham, Brighton or Watford? I'm not saying that they will stay up. I'm just saying, saying of those teams in that in, the, in that situation, um, they just struck me as a team that could, could put on a really good run to get out of it. Um, I mean, I think Norwich and Villa will go down. Um, I mean, they came up last season, so naturally... Uh, they are going to be uh, prime, prime, prime candidates for, for relegation. Um, and uh, the other one, I think it could be a team like West Ham, to be honest. Um, even though they they have got good attackers, um, similar to, to how, how I've been talking about Bournemouth. Um, but they, I mean, with the with the new manager they, they've they've got in with with Moyes, it just hasn't happened for them. Uh, and Moyes just is a massively negative figure in my mind as well. Um, um, I, I just, I'm, I'm less optimistic, I think, about, about them. Um, so I think it could well be West Ham, Villa and Norwich. Interesting shout. And I think that West Ham are my second favourites behind Bournemouth to, to go for the drop. Um, in terms of this, uh, to all West Ham fans listening, I apologise. But I think out of all the teams... In this relegation battle, I think West Ham deserve it the most. I mean, they've got really good stadium, really wealthy owners who've who splashed the cash as well. 
but they just seem to splash it on forward and for the fan base you know i i don't think that they should go down you know most fans are pretty decent nice people who just go and support their clubs but for the way that the club has run with the the resources that they have they've got really good youth facilities as well i think yeah it it's just such a waste of of great money that could have been spent on on really good players you know sebastian Allaire was one of the best players in the bundesliga last season Felipe Anderson was a great attacker. Fornells was a really good midfielder for Villarreal. But they just can't seem to get it together, um, mainly because of their defence. And they got a lot to ask, uh, they got a lot to thank Fabianski for. And when he retires, they're going to be in even more of a bad position. Um, I mean, do you have your same reservations that I do about West Ham? I mean, uh, do you dislike them? In, in the sense of how it is run, like myself? Um, just, just from their performances, to be honest, that's all I'm really looking at. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I think we've covered all the community questions, and as always, as we move forward, we love chatting to you, getting involved. And this is why we are the FPL GMS podcast. We are for the community, and you can get involved with our Reddit, you can email us, and you can also get involved with Twitter too. But... We're moving on to the really fun bit, the transfers, team selection and captaincy choices. Um, of course, because it's basically wildcard week, uh, my transfers may change a lot, especially after this conversation with Seb and maybe getting my chips together. But at the moment, what is your team looking like, Seb? So I'm positioning my team for a free hit, so I'll run through all players in my positions. Um, so I'm going with Leno and Henderson. Uh, in goal, both of them with double fixtures, uh, and then uh, a back five of Laporte, Alexander Arnold, Doherty, Egan, and uh, James. Um, then in midfield, I've got Grealish, De Bruyne, uh, Saka, Barnes, and Fleck, uh, and then uh, a really good looking uh, forward line, also good at football, <laughs> of Aguero, Aubameyang, and Potter. <laughs> I like that a lot. There's a lot of really good players there. And as you said, you're going to be playing your bench boost. Uh, I think you're going to do very well. And in terms of your Game Week 29, where are you in the kind of rankings of FPL? Do you think that this may catch you up with a lot of people? Um, Game Week 29 was not kind to me, to be honest. Uh, I did drop about 70k places um, to just below 400,000. Um, but from where I was at game week 23, uh, I was outside the top 1 million. So uh, I had a good little run um, just before um, the break. Um, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nicely positioned to have a, a real good go at getting into the top 100k. Um, sadly, I can't uh, top my performance, I don't think, last year of um, around six or 7,000 or so. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty content and I'm, uh, I'm just looking forward to, to enjoying, hopefully, uh, just some uh, some high scoring game weeks yeah I'm, I'm hoping that high scoring but also some really good football on display because without fans there the Bundesliga has seemed a little bit dry but then I don't really have much emotional investment in those clubs uh, obviously I support Arsenal like diehard Arsenal fan but also I, I generally like a lot of the clubs in England and know all the players because of FPL but in Bundesliga I was like mm, I don't really care that much um but moving on to me um i'll start off with my game week 29 because as i i've i prefaced this before 
I'm still not sure on my tactics, but I do have players in mind that I like. Um, so my game week 29, just to remind people, was pretty good. Uh, I had uh, a whopping 92 points. Hang on, my computer's just frozen. Oh, bloody hell. Let me restart that. So, yeah, as I preface this, uh, I'm not sure about how I'm going to tactically go into this. Uh, I've been discussing it like you've been listening to with Seb here, and things have changed in my mind. So I will keep everybody up to date, of course, on the Twitter and that. But going back to game week 29, before the lockdown, I couldn't have been asking for more, really. I had a game week rank of 10,144 with a whopping 92 points and that put me on an overall rank of 12,396 I may better your your rank 7k last season Seb and uh, you know this is what we can do uh, here at the podcast and I'm just sad that you're not up here vying with me I I hope that your brilliant tactic that you've kind of explained through this week kind of catches you up and the, the points aren't that different between uh, the upper places. I mean, how many points are you off me? So I've got one seven one eight. How many have you got? Uh, in total? One five nine six. Okay, but if you had a good game week, say if maybe if I had five good game weeks in a row, like scoring twenty plus more than the average, then I might be around forty points behind you. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I, I'm trying to be positive for you here. Uh, I'm trying to. No, it's for... it's fine. I, I don't I don't need to be cheered up or anything. Like I'm really happy <laughs> that you, happy that you're doing so so good, uh, and I think you you deserve it as well. But... Oh, well, thank you. And uh, like I said, I wish you were up here with me. But in terms of it, then so my team at the moment, uh, but with changes in mind, I've got Henderson in goal because I think he's one of the best. But like we discussed, he could be on his way out. But I think Sheffield United are going to keep up with their fantastic defensive record because they're one of the teams that don't play pragmatically. They've got a set system and they're going to war it out. They've only got uh, 26 goals scored in 24 games this season, but that's not why I have their defenders in. They're kind of almost a set certainty quite often that they'll get a clean sheet. They're really up there. TAA is also in my team because as we said he's a certified monster he is ridiculously good and he's already got some really cool uh, Premier League records he's got the most assists for somebody under the age of 21 and he's still under the age of 21 um, then I think Wayne Rooney and Fabregas are the only ones to have got to certain milestones quicker than him and obviously they're attacking players rather than a defender Moving into my midfield, I do have Kevin De Bruyne and uh, I've got Malang Saar. Uh, no, sorry, I've got Ishmael Saar from Watford. Salah Fernandez, who you know we've discussed and I think can do bits against Tottenham. Then I've got Yota Jimenez and I still got Wat- uh, Vardy in my side, who's playing Watford, and it does worry me a little bit. Then on my bench, I've got Pope, Barnes, Maguire, and Soyuncu, but. As we've discussed, I probably need more double game week players, but I've just kind of been fiddling around with my team. Um, I've been trying to decide what to do, and obviously this talk today has really helped. So would you... I mean, I think you'd probably change quite a bit my team, but 
can you offer any bits of guidance to me then, Seb, from what I've uh, given to you as my team? Um, just doubling up on Wolves strikers um, is a is a is a rags or riches type of strategy, I think. Um, so I think if if you're happy with 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 your 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 what your Wolves uh, outlook, then uh, maybe go for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would change quite a few a uh, few um, players on your team. But well, you're you're 140 odd points ahead of me, so uh, who am I to to give you advice? We, I don't know. I think Jimenez is a keeper, but maybe Yota might be on the chopping block because I do need to sort it out with these chips. But let's talk about captaincy choices then, because there are some rum fixtures coming up for game week 30 plus. I think obviously the main kind of choices are those with double game week fixtures, but there are some other good games out there as well. So starting off probably with Man City, Kevin De Bruyne looking good, but you've got Aguero in your ranks. Is he going to have the captaincy armband? Um, it's currently on De Bruyne with Aguero Vice, um, but it could well be the other way around. To be honest, uh, I just don't know, uh, and I'll probably um, I'll probably switch it all the way up until the deadline. Uh, who knows? <laughs> is there any kind of reasoning what will decide it? Or is it just literally feelings with those two? Just feelings, I guess. I think De Bruyne has generally been the better performer. Um, but it's, it's, there's just nothing in it. <laughs> uh, what about the other shouts then? Maybe some people have discussed, should it be on... Henderson or one of the Sheffield United defenders as a potential double up on the points there of clean sheets. What do you think about that as a potential strategy? Um, I mean, if you've got a Man City attacker and you're thinking of, of captaining Sheffield United defender, I think there's something wrong with you, to be brutally honest. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's 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 not a bad shout, um, but it's just, it just doesn't fill you with excitement, does it? Um, yeah, you want to go for the the high points with the captaincy, don't you? And that's that's all about Man City. The funny thing is, with obviously captaining a Sheffield United defender, is that you're going to be willing and hoping for a boring game, aren't you? I know <laughs> it's it's just impossible to ask a, an FPL player to uh, to do that. <laughs> Whereas with the Man City game, you want fun, you want fireworks, and I think if you want football, then you want entertainment and I think that's the pep kind of style so I, I think you're right to kind of plumb with uh, Kevin De Bruyne why haven't you gone with Bamiyang though you know because he, he is a well good... I mean he hardly shoots in the box <laughs> <laughs> really good reasoning that <laughs> I mean look, I mean uh, uh, he's playing away to one of the best teams in, um, against Aguero playing at home to a notoriously leaky, unstable defence uh, and Burnley who, I mean, yeah, they, they, they can, I mean, it's Burnley. Yeah. You'd expect them to score. Uh, it's, it's a hard one, isn't it? With, with Arsenal, now moving on to the other players, would you dare captain, uh, say if you didn't have a Man City asset again, you would have to question your commitment to FPL. Uh, would you dare captain Man United or a Wolves asset because of their really enticing games? I, I wouldn't 
Spurs is particularly enticing. Um, I know you have a, an agenda to keep up, though. Um, <laughs> Wolves? I mean, yeah, Wolves, yeah, I can see that. Um, but, I mean, if if you've got uh, Mane still, um, why aren't you going for Mane? I mean, this is a Merseyside derby. There could be fireworks. Um, are you ruling out Liverpool? Uh, well, I don't have Mane. I've got Salah. Um, but ah, okay. it's the same kind of question. The point still stands. Yeah. yeah, I get you. In terms of Salah, uh, I think you're right. It just has to be on a Man City player because they've got the double game meet. It's a double chance of points. I think Liverpool should win against Everton, but um, there is the chance that they'll be rested. Whereas the Man City players have got two chances and less chance that they'll miss out if you get what I mean so I think it's just sensible I think maybe it's a little bit uh, redundant to kind of consider others I think Man City just have to be your pick really shouldn't it yeah so I think we have sorted all that we want to in terms of the GMS podcast and all the things that we wanted to talk about today is there any final things that you wanted to raise uh, before we head into confirming our teams and and building up for game week 30 Seb uh, no other than uh, best of luck to uh, to all our listeners and, and to you mate yeah and uh, same to you I'm really looking for football returning and hopefully it returns lots of points for us in FPL <laughs>